This is episode 12 of the Now Is podcast. My name is Ben Remsen, and the idea of this podcast is to do a recorded version of the concept you might know from Downbeat Magazine's Blindfold Test and The Wire Magazine's Invisible Jukebox, to play tunes for musicians without telling them what they're about to hear and see what they have to say. What follows is the conversation that I had with Nick Milavoy in the early evening of June 11, 2016, at Elastic Arts in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago, a few hours before Nick's trio played a show there. Nick is a Philadelphia-based guitarist and composer who plays in many different composed and improvised contexts. You're currently hearing me talk over Greater Mass by Many Arms, his band with Johnny de Blasi and Ricardo Lagamosino. You'll hear him refer to them, first name only, in a minute. From their 2014 album, Suspended Definition, which also features saxophonist Colin Fisher. At the end of this interview, you'll hear The Fire That Partially Damaged City Hall from Desertion, Nick's brand new album under his own name. Nick also plays regularly in experimental chamber group Archer Spade and in far-out rock band Chris Forsyth and the Solar Motel Band. To find out more about Nick's different projects and upcoming performances, check out nickmillavoy.blogspot.com. A note about the recording. Since we taped this interview in the empty Elastic Art space, you'll hear quite a bit more room echo than most of these episodes. And near the end of the interview, you'll hear the charmingly verite sounds of Aaron Zarzutsky getting the space ready for the show and taking out the trash. You can find the Now Is podcast in the iTunes store. Perhaps you already have. You can also stream it at nowis.org, N-O-W-I-S.org, where you'll find information about all the tracks that I played for Nick. Feel free to also like the Now Is podcast on Facebook. Okay, Nick Milvoy. I kind of wish I could. That would be impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so talk to me about uh, all peaks, no valleys. Oh yeah. Mm. Wow, that's really that's a good way to pull it together with Cecil. Thank you. <laughs> so, that was the the turning point for when we did Many Arms was to realize that we should stop doing songs that had breaks, that got quiet, or that ever dropped the energy because the the thing that we did best that we were bringing to the table was. Only playing, only playing the peaks and not playing any valleys. Right. So that that whole approach started because it started after we realized that, and we I, we had a song called No Valleys, but uh, there were like, and that's a Cecil Taylor line or something that's like. Oh no no, no that was just like a. Oh okay. Came up in conversation in the band. Okay. But uh, I'm that's trying funny. to think. This, it's like all this time I thought that that was. Oh no, that is from Cecil. no, but it's like it's totally from Cecil. It's like it's probably something that Johnny and I said. Like Cecil Taylor plays like it's like all peaks and no valleys. Um, but it's like Cecil Taylor, and I remember when we got into that, we were really Johnny and I were both 
and, and Ricardo, we're both, we're all three of us, into Frank Wright's record Unity. Do you know that one? I don't know that one. No. Really, really great. But the whole thing, it starts on 10 and it yeah. never, never descends. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, Cecil never descends. It's like, I mean, it's like right here, he just got softer, but yeah. it's like the energy is still like, okay. so powerful. Because yeah, focus. he, he, had, like he does have space in his, sometimes in his solo piano playing. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's like, I guess, yeah, here we, we hear like more of an arc yeah, going on. Yeah, but yeah. in, um, you know, in like some group stuff, like it's been a while since I've heard it, so I'm pretty sure I'm correct when I say on the album Dark to Themselves. Right. That that is like, with, with Mark Edwards playing drums, which is totally awesome. Yeah. Um, that that album specifically is just like full peak. Right. For like, I think it's like 70 minutes long or something. Wow. When you hear him doing something like this, how are you? I mean, he's clearly not just, uh, it's not like a wall of noise. I mean, he's clearly right, making, yeah. making different little melodic lines and things that are intelligible yeah, to absolutely. be transcribed, etc. Like, uh, what's appealing to you like about what he's doing right here? Um, that sort of balance of like legible lines and like illegible, just like intensity of. I don't. I don't know if I think there's like illegible intensity like some of the Japanese improv guys okay. have. Like I think that here it's like supreme focus. You know, like it's all really like if you dissect this all, it, the whole thing comes off. And you know, I, I don't know how he feels about it obviously, but it comes off as being like highly focused and you can like dissect the lines and see like how everything is related and how like he'll stay on one phrase for such a long time and like build it out and build it out. And, um, yeah, I think that, that that's a thing for me that I really wanted to achieve. But on guitar, especially like, you know, I like playing guitar with overdrive. I come from I come from a place where overdrive is part of yeah. what... Which, that place being rock music. That place being rock music, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> um, but a lot of people come from rock music and then move on from that. But to me, it's like, I still like, I mean, I like clean tone guitar, but I play a solid body electric guitar and I like it with a, a little gainy, you know? And so it's like, when you try, at least for me, when I attempt to play this way, then you get this other thing of like the histrionics of the guitar. They add this sometimes, you know, like just like high energy and sometimes illegibility because it's like unpredictable and feeding back and stuff like that. Right, right, right. Um, that like, you know, when I hear a piano player playing like this, I'm or or a saxophonist, yeah. like I'm totally jealous of the ability to just like keep all the notes going. But I, I just don't feel like that about the guitar. Right, right. Well, I mean, you could just be the way I play. Sure, <laughs> sure. This is Joe Morris from the record Elsewhere. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got with, it. With Matt Ship, Whit Dickey, and William Parker, I think. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, this is one of my favorite Joe Morris records. Yeah, yeah. I think you probably actually gave this to me like oh, no. years ago. Which is, I don't know if that's like breaking the rules, but I'm, I make the rules. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I actually haven't listened to this specific album of Joe's in a while. So tell me, listen to it, tell me what you like about it. It's like everything I just said about the Cecil track, except here it is on a guitar, and the way I just said that I I can play in a way that like isn't distorted and like feeding back and all that stuff is like Joe is the master of doing that. Like he uses such a focused, dry tone. Yeah. And it's like 
the ultimate in direct guitar tone. And I like when I talk about Joe, the line I always th say is that he's like he's free jazz guitar Yoda. He's the guy who like I mean, there's like so many people who are big influences on me and whose music I love for free jazz guitarists. But I really think that Joe like took all of the, all of the ideas that existed before him <laughs> on guitar and other instruments. Um, and like and figured it out and like really really yeah. put it together in a way that's like extremely clear and he can teach it to people right and he can he play the shit out of it what did he wrote, wrote a, a he, he literally wrote the book on it yeah. yeah 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 um and it's like when i hear this i think about like the music i still want to make that i haven't figured out how to do it that's not just like aping joe marks mm -hmm. and it's like i you know i don't want to do that it would be hard enough but, to do that yeah it would be hard enough to do that <laughs> But it's like, oh man, like what more does free jazz guitar need than this? This is yeah, it. Yeah. And especially this record. Yeah. Well, like a free jazz quartet led by a guitar. It's yeah. like, this so, has all the So stuff. this record, so tell me about this record, like rather than just in general about what you're saying about Joe. Like what are you hearing? Why is it this record? Yeah, what I what, think there's something about this record versus, like the other ones, there are other records that I know the tunes better. Yeah. Like I've learned how to play the tunes and like I've, performed some of them and like really dug in on them and when I think of my favorite Joe, favorite tunes of Joe's actually none of them are tunes from this record for me the thing that is so appealing about elsewhere is the interplay and it's just like the interplay and just like his ability to like lead lead a quartet with such a strong voice it's like, I mean, he always he always leads with a strong voice. Joe has a re really strong instrumental voice. Um, but uh, there's something about him that, the way he does it on this record that's like... So how is he doing It's it? so in the tradition of, of like free jazz that came before it. And like, I forget what year this came out. It's 90s. Uh, 96. Yeah, it's like, it's like in the tradition of things that came before it, but like moving forward and like of the time. It's like all of the things, you know? Right. He's like advancing vocabulary and meanwhile like a part of the sound world, right. a sound world that existed already. Right, right. So what is the vocabulary that he's advancing here? Oh, like the... I'm trying to make you talk about, very precisely about music. You can be technical. Oh, right, I guess I can. Yeah. I, I know how this goes, I should know. Um, I mean, I guess like what I'm talking about, I don't know that there's something technically that I have to say about it. It's like advancing the way that you can improvise guitar in the, you know, this record, not all of Joe's playing is like, or not all of his records, would I say, are like in the jazz tradition. He has things that are not, in fact, in the jazz, you know, that are that are more free records and, and I don't think Joe would call jazz. And I don't want to, I don't want to name Joe's music for him, but sure. this is like, this is a jazz record, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and this is like, here's the vocabulary that I'm talking about, is like, energy, energy free jazz, <laughs> you know, like post Coltrane. Yeah. Yeah, post-Coltrane post free playing that's like non-modal. Right. Um, it's really, I mean, it's like, to me, I guess it's like, I hear like a Cecil kind of influence totally. on, on this specific stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, it does again, not to talk for Joe, but I think he would say, like, he talks about Cecil in his yeah. book and stuff. Like, obviously, he he's gotten really deep in there. But on, on this record, I think, is one of the places where it's really like, 
really clear, but I don't know, maybe that's just because there's a piano. Yeah. But well, there's something about this record yeah, that, that way, I, I'm hearing it that yeah, way. Yeah, no, totally. The way that, like, he, especially it's cool, like, all three melodic voices are doing something. Yeah. And I, I mean, the drums, too, doing something. Oh, that, everybody on this record that, sounds like, great. coherently sounds like one Cecil Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, in terms of, like, the amount of, like, rhythmic, harmonic, and melodic content. Yeah. Like, just all at once. Yeah. I mean, Joe's ability to, like, I don't want to use the word shred, but like yeah. really like dig in and just like rip a tonal guitar yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is like I don't really and I you know, maybe there's something out there I haven't dug into or that's not coming up at the moment, but I don't know anybody who really got that far. I mean Derek Bailey is like that's a different tradition, you know? Yeah. But I don't know anybody like who's gotten into the chromatic guitar thing. A anywhere nearly this deep, you know? Yeah. I, you, you mentioned that he's doing something, you know, his playing is deep in this atonal chromatic tradition. Uh, there's this uh, common adjective in music writing that I'm curious about your feelings on, which is scronk or scronky, you know, which is like applied almost sure. strictly to guitar playing as a, you know, monopoetic description of like playing dissonantly with a lot of, you know, uh, whatever. Um, do you, yeah, it's interesting because he's, playing with such an incredibly clean and crisp tone. Yeah, it's like the uh, opposite of scronk, right? Yeah, yeah, but it still has that, you know, scronky, you know, like dissonance in there. Would you say? I guess that that's like a word that, I mean, it's like, maybe it's an undefined word yeah. specifically, that yeah. like, to me, what that word means when, if I were to use it, would not apply to, okay. Almost, I mean, I can think of Joe Mara's things that do apply to that, but most of his playing, like, like I don't, this is so clear and clean. I would not think, this is articulate, you know? Yeah. Skronk is like the, the opposite of articulation or okay. something. Okay, I guess it depends. It's one of those music writer words. Yeah, totally, totally. Really, I mean, meaning. it gets used a lot in reviews of my music. Yeah, that's why I <laughs> And like, yeah. but this sort of like clean playing, I think yeah. is like non-skronk, you know? Okay. And it, actually I think that that, is part of the triumph of like what Joe figured out to do that like nobody had figured out before him really is like this is it's notes it's not he's not improvising with sound like but like here it's like he, he does some textural things like right here he's doing some textural things but it's like it's all note based mm -hmm. and I think that the scronky thing is like there's feedback and like mm -hmm. pick scrapes and yeah, just yeah, yeah. like playing nasty stuff yeah like what we're gonna hear Mark Shippey do in like a few hours. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or at least what he did here last night. Total Skronk Master. All right, so this is Orthrealm. Yeah. I don't know what Orthrealm it is. <laughs> is this is the one with the short tracks? Nope. It's not OV. Yeah. This is the one with like the owl on the cover? Oh, I don't even know what the cover looks like. It oh. was kind of digitally. Uh, right, so I won't know the album. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's Earth Realm, though. It's, it's 2002, so it's that same era as that one with the short tracks. Yeah. Um, it's a split with a band called Touchdown. It's just Touchdown. Okay. Slash I might not know this, yeah. actually. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to know if I know. No, 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 if I know. I think you got a good theme here with the tracks. Like, Mick Thanks. is also a... <laughs> good work. <laughs> um, <laughs> stuff I like. <laughs> stuff yeah. we both like. That's the idea. Uh, like, Mick 
is another like he's like a no valleys type of player, right? Yeah. Like this is like really to the extreme. Yeah. And listen, this is crazy. Yeah. It's so good. You could just listen to this for like <laughs> yeah. I could listen to this for ten minutes. Like yeah. you hear the pick. Yeah, yeah. I think this is double track too. Well, okay, so right, it's anyway, so weird. It's, it's crazy. He's all, he's all valleys. I mean, all he's all peaks. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, valleys. Definitely no valleys. But it's a different kind of maximalism than Cecil's. Absolute right? maximalism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, so it's like Mick plays, Mick's playing electric guitar, which is an, an instrument that, like, you know, like Jimi Hendrix came up with a way to play the electric guitar that is, like, extremely dynamic. Like, he can make a guitar sound like, he, he could make a guitar sound like, like a jet engine, right. or like play it really delicately. But like a lot of people don't, it's really hard to, to find the dynamics, those sorts of dynamics and like, what am I, like, just that, that type of expression. And it's like, we, you know, some of us find it in different ways. And for me, like, you know, I'm always trying to do that, but the, the guitar is a limited dynamic instrument. It's once you put on overdrive. And it's like, Mick uses, I mean, for a while, I, I think he was playing his Gibson SG into two metal zones. And I could be wrong, but I think for a while he was playing directly into the PA with no amp. Right. But maybe he was using, he he's used an amp before. Yeah. He's used an amp before. I don't know what this yeah. recording is, but it's like, the only life that that note gets before it's hitting the speakers is, you know, the centimeter or so of space between the pickup and the string. You know, there's no there's no acoustic sound that's really that's the acoustic sound that's being processed through like loads of distortion. It's like you can't really play that that soft. Yeah, it's all going to be it's all, it, it comes out sounding like this. You know, yeah. and I think the Nick is a master of using that tone for like maximal attack and like is efficiency is going to be right. I don't know if efficiency is what I want to say, but maximal attack and like there is an efficiency to it. It's just like he's hitting the neural and it's just like coming right to your ears. It's like super yeah. direct. And that's something that's really similar with Joe. I think there is a similarity with Joe, Joe Morris and Mick Barr that's like even though the end result is so different. Yeah. But it's this chromatic guitar playing that's completely related to an individual personality. Um, and both of them play in that way, that like sort of no valleys, high energy, um, take no prisoners kind of guitar playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's super dry too. Yeah. Both of them use such a dry direct tone. So that's interesting also because he's, Mick Barr is uh, self-taught and doesn't read music apparently or anything like that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he, I mean, he might now, but when he composed a piece for Dan and I, for Archer Spade, the guitar part was, it did have notation, but it was in tab too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it was like, that was the best way to look at it. I'm glad it was in tab because it, it was in an alternate tuning and it just, it made more sense than me trying to figure out these crazy fingerings. It was like, yeah, here's yeah. how I do it. And yeah, then, yeah, you know, yeah. I changed stuff, Sure. but it was like, here's how I do it. And you know, yeah. that, that's a good blueprint. That's nice. Yeah. So, so I want to ask you about, uh, so he's self-taught. Um, he's somebody who, uh, you mentioned, you used the word shredder already. Yeah. He's certainly somebody <laughs> who you'd think of as a shredder or more relevantly like uh, a virtuoso. In, Absolutely, in yeah. Um, do you think it um, 
makes sense to talk about him as like a shredder or a virtuoso. Um, is that like useful to understanding his music, or when people, because people, you know, people call it. I feel like you probably get called a shredder or, or yeah. things like that all the time. Like, do you think that that distracts from you know the actual ideas being put forth musically? Um, is it just like a lazy way, to, or is it actually useful? I think it's useful now. I did, I've decided that I think it's useful. For a long time, I did not think it was useful. Okay. Uh, and I think it just had a hang up on it from working in a suburban guitar store right. where there were dudes who were into shred music. And right. that's, you know, as a style, that is a different kind of style than. Like which sort of thing you're talking about? Like, like 80s, 80s shred dudes, like yeah, okay. Steve Vai or Paul Gilbert or sure, something. Okay, and, yeah. you know, I've flirted with that stuff, not as a player, just as a listener. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, that stuff is, that it's really fun music, but, you know, I, I think. I think in my, you know, early to mid twenties when I was like really, you know, trying to trying to figure out how to be a serious free jazz guitar player. Right. It was like there's no room for this. That this is entertainment music, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm right. doing some other thing. But I don't think I don't think of think like that now. Um, and I think that it's like you know that's what people hear in high energy. It's a compliment. Yeah. In in most cases that I can think of. Oh, this is uh, this is Toshi and Tetsuzi. Yep. Yeah. This is uh, oh, what's the name of this album? That's a funny name. I'm just yeah, I'm just having like a. I can picture the cover. It's got a kanji character on it. It's like yeah. Japanese character. It's I mean, called, it's, it's what I'm thinking. It's, it's called semi-impressionist. Right? That's what it is. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's not the interesting part. <laughs> this you, is what do you think about it? <laughs> oh, I yeah, this is great. I love this album. This is why I want to say it's my favorite recording of Toshi, but I'm not. I'm not 100 percent. I'm going to say Toshi Nakamura and Tetsuji Akiyama just because you didn't say that. Oh yeah, so it's make it easier. Toshi Nato Nakamura and Tetsuji Akiyama. Uh, this track is really great too. This is a good tra track yeah, to choose from this it's album. It's busy. It's like yeah, actually yeah. kind of interesting for, but it's, it's for like, being so sparse. I mean, like, it's busy and for it's like guys. the busiest, but like the sparsest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an it's an amazing blend of that. I think that this is my favorite recording of Toshi's playing, and it's my favorite recording of Tetsuzi's playing. Okay. Though I'm not, I am a, by no means a scholar on Tetsuzi's playing. There are a lot of records I haven't listened to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, tell but me. when he plays acoustic guitar, that's my favorite. Just the way that he plays. This is like, in a way, this is the same kind of like, like, you know, we listen to this and it's like, it would be hard to equate this to, you know, to pull this all together with the theme of like mm -hmm. No Valley's type playing, like the way Tetsuzi is playing. There's no, this is extreme minimalism yeah. versus maximalism, but it's extreme focus and dedication to one vision here. Yeah. And his, his sense of harmony and space is so deep. Yeah. And then it's like the way that Toshi plays on here too. Like th this is, Toshi's music is something that like I have spent a lot of time with and it's very important to me. Um, and like, I think this is my favorite situation to hear him. Awesome. Because it's like, these guys are really, they're buddies, you yeah. know, they're really close friends, and it's like, not that that matters in any way, but oh, it can matter. it's it's really conversational, the yeah. way they play, yeah. in, a, in a way that it's like, you can tell that there's like, 
they're really just playing off of each other and yeah. doing their thing. Well, so it's interesting because they're playing instruments that are like as different as could possibly be. You know, I mean, yeah. and I've heard you know Toshi. But yet playing, they sound related. Yeah, but they sound they, yeah. they're super in conversation. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. Just it's impressive how they can do that. Like I've heard. Toshi, records of Toshi with like Sachiko M or somebody doing like, just, yeah. you know, blending. Um, and yeah, to have like an acoustic guitar with the no input mixing board in conversation that nicely is, is uh, impressive. Yeah, the sound world that it creates is like definitely unique to them. Yeah. In addition to the vocabulary, the, the conversational element of it yeah. is unique to them too. It's like, that the sound world is not something that like, I can't think of another record that sounds like this. Right. Um, so tell me more about like this, like what is the, the sound world, so I, what verbalize the sound world. <laughs> the, you know, the, the acoustic guitar, and especially the way it is recorded and sounds on here, is so organic and it sounds really like earthy, mm -hmm. right? Um, and warm and in, you know, he could be sitting right over there in the corner and we could be listening to Tetris yeah. play right now. Um, and then the no input mixing board is a thing that by nature is like really alien and abstract. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's no acoustic sound coming out of this thing yeah. and it's not playing notes. Right. Or it's not you know distinctly playing notes. Yeah. Um, Although he does do some nice parts in this track where he's actually literally in tune. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, general, I mean it's yeah, not, course, he's yeah, not hitting course. a note, I yeah. guess is yeah. what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, um, no, for the most part, yeah. And so it, it sound it, it has like an an alien sound to it, um, but that in conjunction with like the earthiness, the organicness of Tetsuzi's acoustic guitar is like they they just sit together so interestingly, um, and I feel like something about. Toshi's music, like when I hear it on record versus hear it in a room, it's like it, it almost feels like you're listening to the performance of it in a way that's like maybe different than other things because it's, it's often like really dry and it's recorded direct. So it's like the first time it's hitting the air is as you're listening to it. Yeah, oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But then the guitar is not that. Right. And that blend is really peculiar yeah. and unique. And just the, I mean, this right here is so good. Like the way that they're just like, they're playing two different things that are so unrelated and you can tell that they're together listening to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technique is such a tricky thing to talk about that sometimes I feel like I have a tendency, I, I use this as, as to remind myself that, I, you know, you don't need to play a lot of notes to say a lot of things. There are plenty of records I could do that with, but this tends to be the thing where I think about how to use space and how to maximize an idea. This is Mary Halverson. Yeah. That pedal thing gave it away. You'll be able to guess what it is, I think, in a minute. In a second. So it's it's Mary and Jessica. Yeah. So 
I was... Yeah, uh, I don't know what record it is or anything. Uh, it's called Departure of Reason. It's from a few years, five years ago. Okay. Um, it, so I, I picked this. I was, I wanted to play something from By Mary, and I was, you know, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of different things, and I ended up going with this for, like, totally biographical reasons, because uh -huh. the first time I ever saw her, when I, you know, was t 10 years ago, probably about exactly the same time that we first met. Okay. Um, maybe even before the we people met, show. I don't know. No, or it them. was this band. It was okay. uh, this duo uh, at Avant Gentleman's Lodge. I remember that show. Okay. Yeah, that was probably right around yeah, then. Before yeah. or after we met, it was 2006, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I remember... Um, oh, I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yeah, that makes I, sense. I mean, unless I'm getting confused. No, no, I think yeah. that, that would be right. I think it was. It was with like Z's people, but not as Z's. It was like a different... Moth. Moth, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right the duo. Yeah, anyway. Um, and I, so this is like leading the next unit of the interview, which is about genre. Okay. <laughs> we were talking about maximalism and yeah, whatever, yeah. stuff like that. But I want, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on like what they're doing here as genre music. Like, I remember being totally like stumped, kind of like amazed and baffled by this because the only thing I knew about them was it was two people who had studied with Braxton. That's yeah. how it was sold to me. Or like just had you seen Mary play with people no. at the album Gentleman's Lodge? No, I must have missed that. No, I never. This was probably about a year before. I wasn't. Uh, and wasn't there. you know, to bring biographical information yeah. into it, uh, that was the first time I ever heard of Mary Halverson or Kevin Shea, mm -hmm. and that was like a seeing that show was like a seriously definitive show because it's the first time I also saw Wolf versus Play. Oh yeah, which has. All dudes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dudes, we're friends yeah. with, yeah. still. Yeah. Um, and I sh we should add that we were just eating food with Kevin Shea, whose birthday it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Like that show, I had never heard. You know, to, to, to bring it around to genre, that show specifically, I didn't know what genre that music was. Right. I was like, I did, this is crazy music. Yeah, yeah. That, the only thing I know about this is, is crazy music. Yeah. So like, um, it's so, like it's not free jazz because it's this is they're kind of a rock band. She's like using distortion and they're singing, but I don't know what this is. It's not noise music because yeah, it's yeah, yeah. songs. Like it was yeah, just yeah, crazy yeah. music. Yeah, no, totally. But then I get you know d jumped in and like yeah. then a year later or so. That, that's we're exactly both in the what show. I mean. That's what I'm gonna say to Kevin later on tonight when I get when I get a little drunk and I start trying to tell him like no seriously man that Corbin <laughs> Stress album is like my favorite thing. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah I'm sure he'll love to hear it's that. gonna happen. But anyway, sticking to this here. Yeah. Um so it's like at times folky and then it goes in all these other directions. Like Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's folky, there's this classical thing that's in there. There is like this out jazz thing and it's you know what what genre is it like you know, experimental. Right. Well, <laughs> right. But it strikes me though, so avant-garde. Like, them pe as people who studied with Braxton, like there's this uh, world of, or you know, this sound world created by improvised, like free improvised music that like, yeah. runs away from idiom and genre, like as one of its main, you know, idioms in a way. Yeah. Um, and this is clearly not that. They're clearly not afraid to sound, for example, folky. No, totally. Um, totally. Or and just as people is not afraid to like do like a four-four, like two-chord yeah. rock part, you know. Or just play like a really nice melody. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess that didn't end in a question. <laughs> what do you think about that? What do <laughs> is that cool or not? I think it's totally cool. I mean. <laughs> Maybe this is like, this might actually be, I, I like Mary's guitar playing, but I think this might, this setting might be the way I like her playing the most. Really? Um, 
Yeah, and I think that like, for me, like, you know, so I'm in Archer Spade, which is a duo with my oldest friend, my oldest musical collaborator, Dan Blacksburg. I have two oldest friends. <laughs> he is one of those two. Yeah. Um, but my oldest musical collaborator. Right. Um, and like, you know, we play in a duo that we, you know, maybe tries to de defy genre and we reference lots of different genres, mm -hmm. but like, you know, what? It, what is it? There's a classical thing, you know, for us it's different influences, but it's like, I hear this, hearing this now, I'm like, oh, this like really relates to things that I do and and really like. And, but I think that Mary's guitar playing in here is really like, the way they balance, the way that they're balancing each other out. Like her guitar playing just then was going like really out. And she was like playing a lot of like weird pedal stuff. And Jessica's like playing this really nice melody. But she's like, her articulation of chords is really cool. I really like that. Um, and just like playing some really cool lines. And I really like what Jessica's playing. And it's another thing talking about like, you know, we're just listening to another duo and talking about sound world. Like, this is a different kind of thing. Like, archtop guitar with like this warm jazz tone, and then with the bendy, the bendy delay pedal thing, mixed with the acoustic viol. She plays viola, right? Yeah. Um, this is very. There's no alien element except every now and then these pedal bends, like yeah, sort yeah. of take you out of it. It could otherwise be like this folky thing but yeah. the pedal bends like really take you out into, into space or something. Right. All right, so it's prime time. It's not. Oh wait. This is not prime, this is uh. Is this Tales from Captain Black? Yeah. Yep. But it, I mean it kind of is prime time, sure. but not a smaller version of prime time. Yeah. It's Ornette and Bernardo and Jamality, yeah. but with James Blood. And now that we're saying that, this might actually be, <laughs> this is like a really good version of like, this and Body Meta are probably the two like, funky Ornette records I like the most. Okay, why? And I think it's aesthetics. Alluding, I think I really like the aesthetics of this, this the 70s, I think it's really 70s sounding. Yeah. Um, this one is crazy sounding. Not all the tracks on this record are quite as like, this is really like, there's a lot going on right yeah, now. Yeah, it's yeah. super dense. Yeah, the way that, specifically the way that the guitar and bass are blending together. And yeah, and like the way it's recorded is so strange. It's like really, they're kind of alien sounds. Yeah. But uh, direct vision here. I think it's really interesting because it's like, you hear this and you're like, this is Ornette music, but it's yeah. not Ornette. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, it, it he's is Ornette, he's right? A, as a sideman. Side but it's Ornette as a sideman. It's it's James Blood music. Yeah. But I guess it's all the same. At this point in time, yeah. maybe it was just all the same, I guess. Um, or at well, least it's harmonics. At mean, least on this record, it's, it's harmonics. Yeah. 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 Um, See, nothing sounds like this. Yeah. You know, this is this is clarity of vision in a really specific, unique way. Mm -hmm. Um. And somehow in all this craziness, it's really funky. Yeah. Like this is so funky. Yeah. 
Well, and actually one remarkable... But I guess that's the aesthetics. Right, one remarkable thing about this particular track, um, I think there's plenty of great ones on this album, uh, is that it's it's like a waltz. You know, yeah. not just meaning it's in three, but it's like a, it's got an oompa pa beat. Yeah, it's totally oompa. And like, Donardo keeps like bringing in the oompa pa beat while but they're then it playing just... super out. This is really defined genre. Like, because this is the only way to describe this music is with to say it's like Ornette Coleman music, or, or for me, for me, the only way to describe this music is to say that it's like Ornette Coleman music, or it's hard melodic, or like there's not a lot of like outside words that I would use right. to, to actually tell somebody what this sounds like because it's there's like a funk aesthetic to the way the bass sounds, not to the way the drumming is being played. The drumming is like nothing else. I mean, it's like referencing oompa, oompa, you know, yeah, but like yeah. nobody's ever done, nobody ever did that before in a way yeah, that sounded like yeah. this. Um, well, speaking of it being Ornette music, I mean, this is Ornette's son who is raised to play his music right, from right, exactly. the cradle. You know? Ornette's son playing Ornette's music. Yeah. James Blood's guitar playing on here is really cool. Why? It's so like... Turn it up again. There's something that I hear like... about this, in, in this, that maybe is like... sonically, sounds like Joe Morris would later sound. Right. <laughs> like this dry arch top. I'm assuming it's an art job, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, this dry tone. But this isn't like, he's not playing lines. He's playing like these like weird clusters and it's like, just like these funky chord hits. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah I, which is remarkable because it's his album. Yeah, it's, it's his, his album and it's like, it's yeah. Ornette is leading the band. Yeah. Like, it, it, like musically to my ear, it's like, yeah. he's the melodic voice. Yeah. Why do you think, actually then I wonder why it's his album, I mean, it's, maybe was, it was his contract or who knows, yeah, I, I would be curious, now I, I kind of want to like do some research, I wonder if there's any research to be done though. The melodies are great. Yeah. No, I, so, maybe he wrote the melodies. Yeah. You know, I like I actually yeah, never yeah, looked yeah. up who wrote these yeah, things, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know? I don't know, I didn't, I, I should have done that research. Before. Um, I'm assuming he wrote them, but it's like it sounds so much. Like Ornette Melodies, Ornette Melodies too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, close, close. You know, if we're talking about close musical relationships, there's like a super close musical relationship at the time. Is like it could be James Blood's writing, but it's yeah. in this other world. So this is off of. This is off. Is this the first track on Crooked, Cracked, or Fly? That's uh, the second track. It's the second track on Crooked. There's that real short one at the beginning. Oh, right. Some of our listeners... Is that Wedding in the Park first? Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. album one. Um, some of our listeners might not know that album by title. Oh, by Gaston Del Sol. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm just giving you all softballs here, but... Um... A lot of duos. I suppose that's true. I wasn't, that thinking, I wasn't thinking about the duo aspect of it. But, no, this is more, yeah, so part of the genre conversation. Yeah. Um, this is like rock music on yeah. to acoustic guitars. This is math rock. Math rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, more to the point. Um, 
I know this record because you lent it to me like 10 years ago. <laughs> 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 the writing is so cool. Yeah. Like it's such a cool con Gastrodel Soul is like such a cool concept and I think has really inspired me specifically in Archer Spade. As a, as a duo that tries to, you know, like I said with, with Mary and Jessica's thing, like to define genre, but this is a direct influence there. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they'll, they'll play this, and then there's like tracks with drums where they rock out, mm -hmm. and then there's these like, Long electroacoustic pieces. Which in this piece, there's one of those. This it, does that, is this one goes into. It's like 14 minutes long. Yeah, there's a part. We'll get okay. there, maybe. Yeah. And then there's like songs. Camouflage is like a pop record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like they just did whatever they wanted. Yeah. And it's the vision of. I guess it's like the thing that unites the music of the gastro soul is that it's the vision of these two people. Yeah. And whatever. Gets it. Oh, right. See, I think of that as like a separate track from Ghost. Yeah, they go back to that guitar part. Do they? In like five minutes. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the thing that unites it, like I was saying, is uh, that it's the vision of these two people and they can do whatever they want right, within right. that vision. Right. Or could do whatever they want when they existed. Right, right. Um, really great. I really like the, the guitar writing. Like these riffs on acoustic guitar that if you play them on electric guitar, like they're, they're math rock, right? Yes, you know? totally. Um, but they're played like tenderly and delicately. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I mean, not not in the last section. They were yeah, rocking out. They were rocking out. But, but here but it's this like part, yeah. nice and soft and... But it's in all kinds But this of is not like acoustic... Yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. This is not like acoustic singer-songwriter music, but it's like acoustic guitar and yeah. soft-spoken yeah, yeah, vocals, yeah. but it's it's so abstract. Yeah, weird. yeah, totally. I mean, the, the words are weird. Yeah. <laughs> all of it is pretty weird. Yeah, I saw, I saw Grubbs once do like a solo acoustic guitar thing and it was like it was funny because it had the feel like all the affect was there of like I'm doing acoustic singer songwriter music he yeah. even like talked in the middle of one of the songs a little bit yeah um, I mean I shouldn't get too carried away in telling a story that's unrelated but well no that's that's totally related like that's going going back to the Ornette thing it's like the aesthetics thing like that has the aesthetics of funk and yeah. a lot of people would I mean some of that music is more Here, math rock funk Oh yeah, there we go. Anyway, <laughs> but some, some of the some of you know primetime music is more funk than the track we listen to. Yeah. But the aesthetics are there, and you know you might call it free funk, but it's like it's free funk only aesthetically on that track. Yeah. And here it's like this is acoustic. There's a person singing, and. Yeah writing the song, two guys singing and writing songs on acoustic guitars was, that's only an aesthetic yeah. thing. Like, yeah. yeah, this is weird music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could guess, but I don't know for sure yet. I'll just guess. Wait, no, it's not. What were you gonna guess? It's interesting. Being wrong is interesting too. Come on, be humble. Person <laughs> For a second, I thought it was Derek Bailey, but it's not. It's totally not Derek. However, there's a reason that it's smart that you said that, because I read on the internet the other day that while recording this album, I shouldn't say too much. You'll get no, it. no. These it's guys played something's Derek about Bailey to happen. Yeah. 
Is this U.S. Maple? Yeah. Okay. No, but apparently they recorded some with Derek Bailey while they were oh making this album. I just read oh that on the internet like two days ago. We have to ask Mark. We'll about ask Mark about it yeah. tonight. Yeah. Anyway. Which record is this? Is this purple? No, 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 not purple on time. Uh, Sang, long hair, three two. Sang fat editor. See, I don't really know that record. Cool. So, I mean, I, I, I feel like I have a, like MP3s of it or something. Maybe anyway, more interestingly, tell me yeah. what, tell me what you think about it. So you're getting to hear something for the first time. Potentially. Whatever. <laughs> no. Now I know it. The drum hit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch the guitar stuff, but this. Mm -hmm. But I don't know this as well. Like talker is. I was just playing somebody talker for the first time the other day and was enthusiastically talking about how great U.S. Maple are and how so this stuff really blew my mind when I first heard so it. So why don't you why don't tell, I tell, you tell about me it? about it? <laughs> I guess like, for me the way that this falls, I'll talk about it biographically, the way that this like falls into my life chronologically is like, I saw people play which was Kevin Shea and Mary Halverson, right. as I mentioned. Yeah. And uh, I got, I got really into Kevin's drumming, and I got a Storm and Stress record. I got both Storm and Stress records. And uh, then I told somebody, it could have even been you. <laughs> I told somebody who lived in Philadelphia in the mid-2000s um, how much I liked Storm and Stress, and how that was like, I was obsessively listening. Yeah. Excuse me, listening to those records, and they were like, well, have you heard U.S. Maple? It's kind of like Storm and Stress, but different. Yeah, like I, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, like, it, it was yeah. like you were, I remember talking about this stuff with a couple different people, but it's like, whoever told me first, yeah, it, it very well, let's just say it was you. Okay. <laughs> and being like, have you heard U.S. Maple? It's aesthetically, yeah. or it's like, it's related to this. Like, it's different, but there's this, this free time, loose time, rock thing, and it was like, I have to do that. When I first heard, I think Acre Thrills is actually what I got first. Okay. That blew my mind. And then I got Talker, and it blew my mind differently. And I, I think I only listened to that. Like, I listened to like nothing but this for a couple weeks or something, like, and was, just wanted to obsessively talk about this, because I hadn't ever heard anything like it, and it had, I mean, the guitar playing, like, references all this stuff that at the time I was really into, like, free, weird, atonal, scronky guitar playing. Yeah. And then it's like, in a rock band. Yeah. But like, is this a rock band? Right. It's aesthetically a rock band. Yeah. There's drums, there's well, no bass player. Right. Well, and there's this weird dude singing in yeah. this crazy voice, like, but it's like the complete deconstruction of rock and roll aesthetics and like the genre. Right. Um, well, it's like we were saying before about like, borrowing the affective uh, yeah. genre while being distant from it in some yeah. ways. There are a handful of bands, there are a handful of, of musicians and bands that I think about like, what do, if, I were, if I were to think about like, what are performances I wish I saw? Yeah. This would be in the top 10. Oh, like yeah. seeing US Maple at some point yeah, yeah. would be in the top 10. Oh yeah. Like, I watch YouTube videos and like, <laughs> you know, yeah. just the, to see that at the moment of yeah, creation, yeah, yeah. like, whoa, what was that like? Um, yeah. Both the guitar players are playing such crazy wild stuff, and then it's like, you know, this is all repeated, repeatable stuff. Yeah, there, it's apparently not improvised really much at all. Yeah. And like, 
hardly remember them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that. but but you know that's like that's not that's a terrible compliment to pay. Like that's not that's not like well, I a very I could, valid thing to talk about. That's just me thinking. I think I could make but, that interesting though. Actually, how do they remember it? Is they aren't also in like. 15 other projects. Is that, was I, that I mean, maybe I, I, That true? may not be true. I mean, we could also ask this Mark, because it's all verified. Likely to be true. But, but they're, you know, they're like on touring, you know, Mark told me a story the other day about touring, like, in Europe, opening up for pavement. You know, it's like, they're like, right. this is what they're doing. This is their Yeah, life. this is. So, as opposed to, there's a lot of people like yourself, um, maybe less so than even some other, like some of the other people I've interviewed on this, who have like any Doing a time, million projects. Have at least like yeah. 10 projects going on. Totally. Plus no, this is a band. dormant, whereas this is what they're doing. And that, this I is think like that, not a leader, this is a collaborative band. Yeah. This is a rock band. Yeah. Um, how do you think that affects the difference, uh, those different approaches to music, a music career affects the actual music they're playing? It definitely allows some serious focus to detail. But I also think it also, it doesn't come off as the music of any one person. You don't listen to this and say like, I mean, is Al Johnson the front person? He's singing, but yeah. I, I don't, I, I mean, and when you watch videos of him, it, 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 he is the, the visual center of the group when they're performing, but they're not backing him up. Neither guitar player, there's not solos, neither guitar player is stepping out ahead of either one right complete unified vision and who knows like maybe i don't know would have to again would have to ask mark like is it was it really a unified vision was it one person but my guess is it's like you know my my own narrative of something like this or any any really it's, it comes off like a collective band you yeah. know um you listen to the minutemen for example and it's you you hear you hear collaboration you don't like you hear Dee Boone, but you, you can't hear Dee Boone in Minutemen and not see how Mike Watt is relating to that or how George Hurley's drums are related, you know? And it's like, this is like, these things are all entangled. If I were thinking of adjectives to really describe it, like tangly, you know, it's, it's entangled kind of music, like entangled vision, entangled sounding guitar parts that, right. you know, you'd have to really focus to know what each player is doing. You know, that's like a Rolling Stones thing that, that Keith Richards like talks about like him and Ronnie Wood, like weave their guitars in and out each, of each other. And in interviews, he always says like, it's the ancient art of weaving that we do. But it's like, that's what's going on right here. You know, they're just like, these parts are just, you don't know who's doing what. It's, yeah. free, it's one big guitar. Oh yeah. <laughs> so this is Shots by Neil Young. Right. Oh, I can talk about Neil Young for hours. I'm sure. Yeah. So what can I say about Neil Young that is really succinct? Um, what do you want me to say about Neil Young? Talk about rock music, talk about guitar playing, talk about rock music, guitar playing, rock music, guitar playing, rock music, guitar playing, The guitar sound on here is incredible. It's incredible, it's huge. It's like, it sounds like bombs going off sometimes. Shots. It just sounds like shots, yeah. I mean, his guitar tone is like, it's been an endless, an unending source of tonal inspiration, guitar tone inspiration that like, I'm always trying to chase. I, my guitar that I play, as you know, is a custom built instrument. And when, you know, when I talk to the guy who built my guitar about what I want it to sound like, mine's Telecaster. And, Neil doesn't play Telecaster, but he played a Telecaster on tonight's, or he played a, an Esquire, I guess, or a Broadcaster, on uh, 
Tonight's the Night. And I said that, that was one of my Telecaster inspirations, was like the sound on that record. And just like, my overall thing is that I want to, my tone-wise, I'm always trying to chase Neil Young's sound. And you know, in this case, I'm recontextualizing it into, you know, the thing that I do, like, whatever that is. Like, I mean, my new music, it's like, everybody, the, the main reference point is Neil Young. Uh, right. the, pe the people here, people hear yeah. the Neil Young thing, because yeah, aesthetically, I'm, I'm going in that zone. Right. Um, but then it's like there's obviously it's it, it's not existing in the same world. It's existing in this avant-garde jazz thing. Um, but it's like I'm really happy that I've found a way to like chase after this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somehow yeah. it makes While sense still to me. Doing your, yeah, your, yeah. Your thing. Yeah. So I, I also uh, want to know: Do you since we've obviously most of you listen to like jazz improvised yeah. weirdo whatever music? Do you think you've listened to rock music like this differently because you? Uh, spend so much time listening to and thinking about all that, all that other music. Maybe. Um, I mean, probably your your average rock listener probably wouldn't be talking talking about. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't want to project anything, but likely would not be talking about uh, Neil Young's free playing. Right. Right. But just, when I saw when I saw Crazy Horse, I think it was about three years ago. They played the song "Walk Like a Giant" for thirty minutes. The song part was at most 10 minutes. And then they just like played feedback. It was one of the most abstract things I had ever seen for about 20 minutes. Um, in front of 20,000 people. Yeah. And people loved it. And yeah. it's like, but that was like, it was as weird as any like avant-garde noisy guitar show that I would ever go to and it was like as like far out and yeah, like yeah, just yeah. No, you know completely like complete feedback jam yeah 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 you got it dude you should be in crazy horse <laughs> <laughs> no no there's no room for me in crazy horse there's crazy horse is a perfect thing okay <laughs> because like really they are like yeah. this is like i mean maybe it's not that interesting because it's just talking about like neil young biographically but neil young can't he like, or at least this is the nar a narrative, that he like can't escape Crazy Horse. Like he can get, he could find a drummer who's better, like yeah. technically better. He could find a bass player who's better, and he has yeah. with other people, but there's a magic that happens with that rhythm section. And then Poncho is playing rhythm guitar and he's just hitting quarter notes, you know? And it's like, you need that guy there. Like he can't be playing anything more because this is about Neil, but it's, these guys are, this is his, this is his army, you know? This yeah. who's going to battle with. Right. <laughs> right. No other guitar sounds like that. <laughs> so it's Rebo. That's right. Is it off of Saints? No. How did you know? How did you know it was Rebo? Because if you don't know, do you know the tune or you just recognized his? I know the tune. But that's not what gave it away at first. It was, it was actually, I, I heard the first couple chords and I knew the tone and the attack. Right away there was Rebel. The attack, and I thought, that was. Like the attack on the chord, just the, the sound of it. And then, and then I was like, oh right, it's this thing. Is this on, uh, maybe it's on Don't Blame Me? Yeah. Yeah. It's Don't Blame Me. It's Don't Blame Me, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh. Which I guess is, uh, Standard. This is standard. I mean, I, I don't think I knew it, but I 
don't think I know the Great American Songbook that well, but. I think Rebo is like, you know, the way that I was talking about how Joe Morris is like free jazz, you know, right? Yeah. Like, Rebo is like the great, I mean, I, I don't want to talk in absolutes. I don't mean duh, but he, yeah. <laughs> he's like, to me, one of the ultimate, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I just had it. Uh, I'm just getting distracted by this, by the tune. Uh, interpreters. He's one of the great interpreters. Okay. And it's like, because it's like, yeah, he's playing a standard in like, in two, you know, in 10 seconds and two chords or something. It was like, oh, I know that this is Mark Rebo just by the sound of this, before I even know what tune it is. Mm -hmm. And then it, it's like, it's so melodic, but personal, extremely personal. He, he doesn't not sound like Rebo. Whenever you hear him play, it's like his voice is so strong. And I think on guitar, it's like, and that's what we're all trying to get to, right? Like you, Neil Young, Joe Morris, like these are all guys with this, Bill Frizzell, mm -hmm. like guys who you hear them play, Mary Halverson, like that right away. Yeah. You know that like, they're all people who when they play, you know exactly who it is. But guitar is such a, I think of it as a really abstract instrument. I mean, all instruments are abstract, but it's just like, electric guitar specifically, you're playing your amps like over there a couple feet away and the sounds, the sounds not coming from your body or what you're holding, it's coming from this other, this yeah. box. Right. That you've, you know, you've plugged in this box and you're putting things through it and you're, you know, everything affects the sound like, but then to be able to always sound so personal and unique is like, that's the, that's the thing, at least I'm always looking for and, and, and trying to achieve. Um, but then it's like he can, Rebo plays a standard and everything about it is so personal. The, the phrasing, the lyricism, the way it's harmonized, there's something off. You know, he's like playing these low notes that are like a little out of tune and a little warbly. Yeah. And there's like a vulnerability, excuse me, vulnerability to that. That it's like it's it's frail but powerful, um, and it creates this like really specific sound. And references so many things. I mean, it's like he's playing a jazz standard, so it's referencing, it's existing in like the jazz world. Rebo is somebody who can, you know, rip with all the best of the like oh, yeah. avant-garde players or whatever. Oh shit. <laughs> or, or anybody players. Right? Or anybody players. Um, I mean, he does so many things. He does like every style of music yeah. and rips with the best of them. Right, but he, he's also totally willing to go into, what did I say, the Great American Songbook, you yeah. know, to like do genre music. Uh, and in fact, he's always like, he's a, he's a prominent accompanist yeah. with people's, you know, obviously Tom Waits and other people. Do you have any thoughts about being, you know, an experimental guitarist, but always kind of like sticking with the popular music in some capacity, like not totally disengaging? To like, me or in general? For you, I guess. Because like, in general, I don't think so. We've listened, we just listened to a bunch of people. Yeah, Joe Morris never, do yeah, he doesn't, there's Joe no Morris isn't taking a pop gig. Yeah, you know? there's no reason I mean, for him to. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for you, for you. Make for it, me, make it, it personal. Yeah, yeah, I like playing rock and roll. That's yeah. where I come from. You know, it's yeah, yeah. like, and, you know, I play in Forsyth's band. I play in Chris Forsyth and the Solar Motel band. Right. Um, 
And like that's a that's a rock and roll band. Now that's not that's still there's an abstract and experimental element to that that's like in my wheelhouse. But like you know it's it's overall it's a it's a rock and roll band. That that's something that I'm always interested in in being a part of is like rock and roll music, right? Like tonal songs and stuff. And obviously I'm doing it more now with my with my current stuff. For a while I was like just playing like freak out music. Right. Right. Going as experimental and loud and feedback and all that stuff as possible. But like, I'm most happy when I can ha have my foot in each door. I like melodies. <laughs>